21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. First of all, congratulations on amazing success. Thank you. So your two-year-old startup has 14,000 or something like that paying users in 39 countries, including companies like Shopify, Subway. How did you do it in two years? It, it feels like we haven't done much, to be honest with you. Um, it feels like we have a long way to go. How humble. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I think for me, Punchlist, uh, it started off as a, as a side project. I had spent 15 years as a designer, kind of project manager in agencies, and we had built massive projects uh, for large companies like CNN. Yeah, American Express. I mean, CNN, Ben and Jerry's, like you name it. I think for me, my ambition was always, I, I wanted to have something for myself. Um, and I had tried to start things with other people and they, they really couldn't get off the ground. We could never find alignment. Uh, for, for the, the project to see enough life. Um, and so I, I committed to myself that I needed to go teach myself how to write software. Uh, I was always on the design side. Um, and so I quit my corporate job. I took a part-time job. And at night, uh, I would uh, learn how to write software. Uh, I would try to, I would try to break up the project into like one hour tasks. And I, I took a new approach. You know, for me, anytime I had ever started something or tried to learn something new, I'd always tried to tackle most of it at once. Uh, and this time I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to chunk this up, to break it down into small little pieces so that every night I could feel like I was making progress. I can go to, I can go to bed feeling like, okay, I accomplished something. It might've taken me four hours and, and maybe some nights I didn't actually get it done. But majority of the nights I went to bed feeling like, okay, like there's something there, there's there's progress. And so for me, like when we talk about the success Punchless has had over the last couple of years, for me, you know, it, it started off as this, as this, you know, ambition I had and, and less about trying to build a big company or less about trying to, you know, build a, a prototypical startup like we're on the path of now. Uh, and a lot of that changed uh, for me last year because um, it went from a kind of a side project last year to, okay, now we're going to go through a Techstars accelerator program. We're one of only 10 companies in this program and and we're going to, then it went really well and and uh, things started to click and, and we were able to raise some funding last year. So, you know, when I think about where I was in my basement a few years ago, you know, literally with two screens, one watching someone do it and then me and the other screen trying to copy them. Um, and that's how I learned. Um, so yeah, I mean, how we did it, I, I think we're still trying to figure it out. I mean, to, to a larger degree, I don't think we've, we've really cracked it. Um, but yeah, we, we have 14,000 users. We have users from companies like uh, National Cash Register, NCR, and we have little boutique companies and single users that um, do a lot of great work as well. 
can you go a little bit more into alignment versus things started to click? Tipping points. Uh, so what, what, what are the ingredients of that transition, that transformation? Yeah, so Punchlist is a piece of software that allows you to get feedback on your work. Um, and when I first started it, when I first created it, the type of work was very narrow. It was, uh, you're building a website um, and you needed to get feedback about what's left to be done. And you're typically getting that from your client. And I think for us, the tipping point, especially uh, last year, uh, was we started to expand the type of work uh, and we started to think through the type of ways they could use the tool. And then things became more interesting because it became less about websites uh, and it became more about we have uh, astronomy students who are annotating, you know, charts of stars. We have um, architects using it to annotate floor plans and to mark up floor plans. And they're still doing the same thing. They're getting feedback from their customers, um, but it became very narrow uh, feedback on websites uh, to now very expansive uh, where work is just a, a general definition and, and it could be a lot of different things. Um, so for us, that was one tipping point. I think another tipping point for me was I moved from doing everything myself to bringing on a co-founder. Um, and so that was a big transition for me mentally because I had started this saying, it's hard to find alignment. It's hard to you know get uh, someone else to do this thing with you. Uh, and so for me, that mental switch to say, you know what, it's, this is, I've got this I'm, as far as I can get it. I'm actually holding it back probably now. And I need to pull in someone that I trust that is as passionate about punchless as I am, uh, and, uh, can, can multiply, uh, by many times kind of, uh, the, the outcome that we're looking at. So I think that's one tipping point. I think moving from a side project to, you know, a, a venture back startup is one. I think pulling in a co-founder was important to us. I think expanding how we think about what the tool can be used for, broadening our perspective was important. I think doing an accelerator was a, a big tipping point for us. Um, it um, accelerators are amazing, but but that that word TechStars is a global accelerator. That that is truly what it does. It moves you forward a few years in a very condensed amount of time. So we've had definitely a couple tipping points and inflection points along the way. Let's go more into the skill set. Uh, I had some discussions about the difference between founder and C level. So a lot of entrepreneurs told me, well, you know, I had a moment uh, during the project when I realized uh, my skill sets as a founder are now not so important and I need to invest into somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think for me with Punchless, what's interesting is, as I mentioned, I had a, a 15 year career leading teams and focusing on like really large enterprise projects. And a lot of those soft skills that I learned leading a team, uh, like a C-level executive, uh, became very valuable now with Punchlist as we build out a team and as we think through how to run one-on-ones and we think through our roadmap and our planning. Um, but the early days of Punchlist being the founder, 
you have to wear all the hats, right? You have to do the marketing, the sales. I had to write the first cold email to someone asking them to buy it. Um, and I think the, the juxt, you know, keeping those two frameworks side by side, being the founder or being like the C-level, I think most founders have to understand the balance between the two. Um, and it's, you know, right now to this day, we have a team and some days I have to wear within the day, I have to wear my founder hat where I'm going to answer a support ticket. I'm going to, you know, review an email that's going to go out to a large company. Uh, I'm going to build something in our app. Uh, and I think from a founder's perspective, like you have to be willing to do anything the startup needs, right? And that could be taking the trash, hiring, having a big call. Um, and I think, but within those situations, the skills you learn at a C, as a C-level being in big meetings are then applied. Um, and so I think for me, having that balance between the two worlds has become very important. Um, understanding kind of what it means to run a 20-person team when it wasn't my startup uh, has become very valuable. So I think for anyone that's considering becoming a founder or Maybe they have a long career and they're and they're thinking about transitioning. I think a lot of the skills you learn from a from a corporate career are very applicable to being a founder. I think the difference is you're so used to being in a corporate environment, having people with specialties and relying on them and managing them and making yes no decisions with them. Um, and I think as a founder, you, you make a lot of those yourself. And and sometimes you're the one that has to pick up the specialty and do it at least initially. Um, and then over time, as the organization grows and as you, uh, you know, have more opportunity, you can pull people in to, to do those specialties, but, but you have to understand what it takes initially. Like I wrote the first ads for Punchlist our, in our Google account. I've, I've, you know, I've fortunately built a lot of it and now we have a team that's building it. Right. So I think I can understand those things better. It's made me a better founder, uh, getting my hands dirty and not initially trying to hire consultants or pushing them out. Um, even if it, even if it's something where I was clearly out of my depth and I shouldn't be doing it, I think it was, it's been beneficial to at least take a stab at it and understand it and then pull people in. Um, so yeah, for, for, for me, it's this healthy balance where there's clearly time where you're going to understand when it's time to bring in specialties or specialists. And it's more important though, to understand you need to get your hands dirty early on. Before we go back to the platform per se, let's speak a little bit more about you. Uh, how do you prioritize and manage your time? What's your daily routine? I'm, I'm beginning. I'm still, I, I would be the first to say, like, I think I'm still exploring what this means and what the daily routine is. I think what's becoming clear to me is that there's probably two things that are most important, especially the stage we're at, this kind of early stage. It's one, can I eliminate roadblocks for my team? Um, so are there things that I can be the only one that answers for them and that will allow them to move faster? Or can I just eliminate things that might not be important that they shouldn't be wasting time with and just say like, hey, have a little bit more focus, don't worry about it. Um, and I think the other thing is keeping my eye on what is the roadmap? What is the horizon? Like, are we still moving in the right direction? Um, I, I, I definitely have been 
especially these first six months after we raised money where you feel like you got to go do everything and you have to you move in a lot of different directions and you don't do anything very well and lately we've just been trying to say like no okay like how do we stay pretty focused on kind of a six-month runway and you know adjust in between but but stay pretty focused on it um and so i think for me the daily routine is those two things like what do i need to help my team focus on and, and remove any roadblocks make decisions with them uh and then separately like are we still moving in the right direction do the numbers look right um are we staying focused on what is actually the most important thing and not getting sidetracked by the day-to-day -day? i mean i think for any startup that's the challenge the day-to-day -day is always new right there's a support ticket that pops up there's a new opportunity that pops up there's an idea someone has and all that noise is always coming at you and, and as the founder as one of the leaders of the organization you're the one that has to essentially be the filter to that stuff and be able to say like that's important that's not important and try to say that's not important more often than you say that's important beside the business do you have a specific daily routine regarding uh, waking up? So some some guys are waking up at 4 a.m., some at 7. Do you have some specific sport activities? Do you meditate? I think I was, I've had a complete evolution on this one. So I, I, I pre-COVID, I lost maybe uh, 75 pounds and it was and it came through this daily uh, a daily routine and just being very disciplined about it um and so i think uh right now the routine is i typically get up around 5 30 in the morning um I, I try to work out my my wife actually she's in healthcare um and we work out at the same time together so we'll be in the same room together it's a great way for our marriage to start the day off right um so i'll be on the treadmill she'll be on the bike We'll talk about our day. She'll, you know, pour me a cup of coffee after I'm done. I'll pour her a cup of coffee. So I think for us, we more often than not start every single day that way. Like we do a workout, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. We have coffee. We talk about what we need to happen today. I'll tell her I'll be on a podcast or I have a dinner tonight. She'll tell me the same, like I have a, a work dinner or the kids have something later. Um, and then I'm trying to be in the office around eight o'clock every morning. Um, so for me, I take the kids to school. So I work out, get ready for the day. I take the kids to school every day. It's actually very important to me. Uh, my two kids, I don't have a lot of predictability after that during a day. Like, I don't know if something's going to pop up. And so for me to have every morning where I take them to school, I wish them a good day. We talk through the day together. Um, that that's become a key part of my routine. I, I try, I try not to sacrifice that. Um, and then I'm in the office by eight o'clock most days. Um, and then for us at the organization, we have routines about what happens on certain days. Um, and then for me personally, I try to be home maybe around 4.35. I don't want to spend my time in traffic. We'll have dinner and then I'll get back to work a little bit in the afternoon and plan for the next day. Um, one thing I've been trying to do every single day, actually right after my workout is learn Italian. Um, so I, I, I've, I'm on like a, almost 40 day streak of doing Duolingo every single day, which I'm actually really excited about. And, and I had a little bit of a head start. My mom's Italian, my family's Italian. And so I knew, I, I knew Italian uh, conversationally, but not very well. And so now I'm trying to build this habit. And I was actually talking to my wife this morning about how nice it's felt to have this 45 day streak. Um, and, and it's just a, you know, 10, 15 minutes every day. 
Um, and I've been thinking about that in, in, in other things, like whether I want to add another habit to my daily routine is just, can I, can it be a 15 minute thing that I just build that habit every single day? Um, so for me, it's working out, doing a little bit of Italian, take the kids to school, but most of my workday starts around eight and then the volatility enters like support requests, emails, and, and all the other things that could pop up. Can you give examples of how clients have used the platform? So the aha moment for a punch list, um, when I initially started using it, I thought the tool was going to be for teams um, to use it. So a designer and a developer, they would collaborate on building a new website and the designer could give the developer feedback. The, the inspiration for the tool was simply what I saw in the agency world all the time. Uh, a team would ask someone for feedback and then they would give it, but they would be giving it by email. Or they would be typing it into a spreadsheet and it required you to ask a lot of silly questions like what page were you on? What were you looking at? What browser were you in? A lot of that detail that makes that the person that's skilled is thinking about, that the person that's giving the feedback doesn't really consider, they don't really think about. So I was like, ah, this doesn't, this, this doesn't feel right. Like it, it's creating more work getting the feedback than less work and you're having all this back and forth. Um, and so the initial version of Punchlist was simply, can I build a system that answers those silly questions for you, right? So Punchlist automatically knows what page you're on. It knows what you clicked on. It takes a screenshot of what you saw. Um, it knows what browser you're in. So all these silly questions, all these things that make good feedback, it just does it for you. And the person that's giving the feedback, the person that's giving their opinion, they don't even have to worry about that stuff. They can just say what they see is wrong. And then we complement all that with, with rich feedback. So for us, the tool, the aha moment though was, it became less important for teams and it became more important for everyone that's outside of your team. Um, and so the client is the one now that that mostly uses Punchlist because it's just one link that the, the marketing team or the agency can just send the one link out and that person with one button can say, here's everything I see wrong. And they're not typing up an email. They're not, you know, making a PowerPoint or printing it out and writing on it. Uh, so it makes their life a lot easier. And what ends up happening is the people that need their approval, the team, they can move a lot faster, right? So use cases we have is we have organizations, global organizations that their production team will be in the United States, but their stakeholders might be in the United Kingdom or in Europe or elsewhere. And those people can review their work while the production team is sleeping. And so we see landing pages and punch lists where a subject matter expert in the United Kingdom will say, here's everything I see wrong. And the next morning when the production team wakes up, they'll have everything that they need to fix. Um, we have teams that are using it to review branding. We have teams that are using it to review floor plans. Um, we have a, a major restaurant group that uses it for walkthroughs of their restaurant. So they'll have someone um, that's at the restaurant for a new building. They'll take pictures with their phone. They'll upload it to Punchlist. And someone that's in their corporate office will be able to look at the floor plan and say, oh, that's interesting. Like, here's everything Here's everything that's wrong with this floor plan. Um, and, and, you know, our prototypical website bills, those are the, that's the bread and butter for us. But we have students using it, as I mentioned earlier, architects, landscape architects, 
um, consultants. Uh, it's, we have a lot of venture capital companies that actually use Punchlist. So what they'll do is any of, any of their portfolio companies will submit their pitch decks through Punchlist to the firm for feedback as they're trying to raise money. And that firm can give feedback and share it with other people and say, here are the, here are the numbers we'd like to see in the deck or here are the slides we think are look a little bit better. Um, so for us, we support websites, PowerPoint files, PDFs, um, and a lot of these things are just containers, right? So a website could be a website for a product. It could be a website for you know a butcher. It could be anything. And a PDF is the exact same thing. The container could be anything. Um, and so for us, the, the use cases are all over the board. Um, if it could be in a PDF, uh, then it could be in Punchlist. Um, and so for us, what we are competing against is someone sending an email saying, can you review this? That's what we compete against every day. Um, is someone sending a PowerPoint, a PDF, a link to a website and saying, can you review this? And they're sending it to a bunch of people. And Punchlist ends up being a way better solution to do that than email. Um, because everything's just, it's, it, it leads to all those silly questions that I asked you, uh, I mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, that's Punchlist. It, it, it's a tool for annotating work. Punchlist in five years. A tool for annotating all work. Yeah, the known place for all your creative work. Um, I, I think for us, that means supporting videos. That means, you know, being everywhere and anywhere. Uh, and it's, it's just, we want to be the creative assistant that helps you get your work done faster. So, so as I mentioned, punchless can be used for a lot of different things. If your audience would love to try it out, we'd love to have them. They can go to punchless.com. Uh, sign up for a 14-day trial. Uh, if they're interested in paying for Punchlist, they can use the promo code 21st Century Entrepreneurship, uh, or 21st Century for short. Uh, and uh, they can unlock a 10% discount with that and, and feel free to use it. Punchlist allows for unlimited guests, unlimited projects, um, so starting at nine bucks a month, it brings a lot of value and it saves you from those endless back and forth emails. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.